It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Your brain needs support, and new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L theanine, and caffeine, Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at Ollie.com. That's O L L Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Hello, everyone, and welcome to tonight's episode of the 1871 podcast. And tonight, our focus is on Reading FC women. And I'm delighted to say our guest is Lindsay Hooper, who's a a women's football reporter, including being the lead WSL reporter for Sky Sports. So, Lindsay, thank you for joining us and a very warm welcome to the 1871 podcast. Thank you for having me on. Oh, you're very welcome. And and we've got Johnny here as well. Uh, Dylan is still kind of making his way back from uh, his team's game in, in Libya. And it, it sounds like he's had a bit of an ordeal. They got stuck in Istanbul, I think so. But we'll be catching up with Dylan tomorrow night when our special guest will be former Reading assistant manager, Colin Lee. So looking forward to that one. But for now, we're going to focus on the Reading FC women's team and uh, really pleased that Lindsay is here to help us do that. So, Lindsay, I'm, I'm going to ask you the, the first question. Obviously, you, I'm sure you've seen Reading plenty of times. Um, for me, it feels like if you look at the WSL table, it feels like it's almost split into two, isn't it? There's a top half, which is relatively close, and and, and then you've got the bottom half. Um, how How do you think, you know, as, as a club, over the last few seasons, um, compared to the likes of Arsenal, Chelsea, and, and obviously you've got Liverpool have come up and Man City, Man United. How do you feel um, about Reading, the way that they've established themselves in the, in the WSL? And, and OK, they're in the bottom half of the table, but uh, it's quite a success story, really, I think, in a way, isn't it? Oh, yeah, I think there's a lot to admire about what Reading have done. Um, they they clearly share facilities as well, which is something that has been asked for for many years. I think Reading, they might not have been the first, but they certainly weren't one of the last to introduce that. So the support and the structure and what's in place there as a football club, bearing in mind that it doesn't have the financial clout of a Premier League team at the moment, um, I think they are very much punching above their weight in some regards. But I think the history of the football club and the fact that they have been there, they've done it, they've got consistency with their manager, Kelly Chambers, who's had a number of roles at the football club. 
all play into the fact that I think that they are there um, with their longevity that they've shown so far. Now, you talked about the the table splitting into two. I actually think that the table is split into three now. I think there is a top four or five that everyone's vying for. And I think there is a middle part of the table and there is a bottom part of the table. And at the moment, Reading has sat at the top of the bottom part of the table. Um, they could be dragged into a relegation fight, but they seem on recent results to have been able to put enough distance that they're they're not out of it, but they're certainly not the ones in the thick of it. And I imagine that that's a place that Reading will be for quite a while. You know, I think maintaining that status in WSL is going to be the most important. They are competing with teams that have got bigger budgets, bigger financial pull, um, and a lot more support network in some areas. So I'm thinking about backroom staff and behind the scenes staff as well. And when you're attracting players from other countries, other leagues, all of that take gets taken into consideration. So at the moment, some of the signings that they've made um, and whether that's been a joint decision between Kelly and others at the club or whether Kelly has been the main leader of that, um, I think it's been impressive. I think it's been really impressive. Um, but let's not shy away from the challenge that is there. Yeah. And I think it's worth mentioning as well that um, you kind of touched on it there, Lindsay, that Reading have been ahead of the game in some ways in terms of how, if you like, um, seriously, the club has taken um, their approach to the women's team. Because if you look at uh, a team like Liverpool, and until recently, they weren't even in the WSL and, and Man United obviously are, are now challenging and, and so on. So Reading have kind of been there for a while and now you've got all these other, the, the so-called bigger clubs, as it is in men's football, are joining that that party and being competitive towards the, the top end. But I just, I just think it, I just wanted to kind of, mention that as a starting point that it's credit to the club isn't it really I think that you've you, you have like you said um seen Reading establish themselves and okay Liverpool's and and the other teams are catching up but what what do you think um you said it might continue in that way do you think potentially it's going to get more difficult for for Reading in future seasons I'm afraid so yeah I think it will I um I don't want to be a negative Eddie on here because I actually think what Reading have done over recent seasons has been fantastic. But I think even from last season to this season, I think there is a noticeable difference. Um, And that is around other sides in WSL. It's not necessarily about Reading. I don't think Reading have really faltered too much. Um, But I think other teams have improved. I look at Aston Villa and I think that was a team that would have been at one point below Reading on a consistent basis. And I think you have to admit that they are on a trajectory now, which is going to take them higher up the league. Um, You look at a Brighton, which I think are quite a comparable team, but although they've not got um, a permanent head coach in place yet with Amy Merricks there until the end of the season, what they've done behind the scenes with their infrastructure, um, the training base, the the amount that they've opened up the team as well to other roles. Um, I know that there's psychological support there now, physios um, is plural, not just one. So you're looking at all of those things behind the scenes and how they can make a difference on a match day. And other teams are starting to pull 
away a little bit. Now, that does come down to finances, although I don't think finances is everything, certainly in the women's game at the moment. You can throw money at a team. You can try and get that um, that ability to reach all the criteria that you need to be considered to be a WSL club, for instance, in the future. Um, and that can be done quite quickly, I suppose, if you're I'm thinking of a Newcastle United, if you've got that sort of money and you decide you want to throw it at the women's team, then I imagine that could be done fairly quickly. What does what takes time is what Reading have built over a long period, which is the reputation, which is the relationships. It's things like seeing Brooke Chaplin, who's now general manager, who used to be part of the plane squad. And we know a little bit about her story and why her career had to come to a, a sad end. But the fact that she's been held within the club and that experience is being utilised is key. I think being a mainstay and having had that experience since the WSL's um, beginning, I think will mean that Reading are in a really strong position to try and hold on. But you are going to have other attempts from elsewhere. Let's see who comes up from the championship this season. But you'll notice that the gap won't be huge. And some of that is down to budgetary reasons, I'm afraid. Yeah, of course. John, I'd like to bring you in now. What what would you yeah. like to ask Lindsay? Yeah, thanks for joining us, Lindsay. I was just going to ask you what, you know, <clears throat> the impact of Kelly Chambers as, you know, for Reading and in women's football. And how do you rate her compared to the managers of the bigger clubs? You know, she's been in the game a long time as a player and a coach and in many other roles at Reading, isn't it? Like you're saying. Yeah, I, well, I think Reading and I think her immediately, she is now becoming synonymous with the football club in the same way that Emma Hayes is at Chelsea, I guess. Yeah. Um, and I hold them on a similar regard, um, actually, because I think what Kelly has done at Reading is remarkable in some senses. She absolutely is the definition of Wonder Woman. Um, you know, over the years, she has had all these roles, general manager of the club. I think she was physio at one point um, from a conversation I remember having with her. Um, she's had all these multiple roles and there is, there is a real admiration to that, but there is also part of me now that wants her to focus on just the head coach role and for her to have the support and infrastructure to be able to do that. Um, and I think it's going more that way, but of course, when you've been someone who's been used to spinning plates and juggling lots going on, I imagine it's hard for her to let some of those areas go because she she knows what's been required in the past and the game is moving at such a a quick rate as well Johnny you know it's I think it's quite difficult for people to be able to keep up with the fast moving nature of women's football and its growth at the moment so what she was once asking for last season she probably wants two of now because she can see what the competitors are doing for instance so I think there is a lot that she is responsible for in terms of success at Reading. I think if you take her away, um, the project will would become more difficult um, because of because of the mainstay that she's been and because of those relationships she's clearly formed. Um, but female coaches in the league, I, I really want to see them push. You know, I I want to see Kelly getting every opportunity with Reading in the WSL to take them as high as possible. Um, and at the, in the near future, I, I don't know what that will look like. At the moment, you know, you've brought in brilliant players like Deanne Rose. I remember when you signed her and yes. I was thinking, oh. wow, like to get her to Reading. And Rachel Rowe has been inspired. I've loved how she's played this season and she's just, she's come up with important goals. And I think that Kelly, for a while yet, can assemble a team that can still really fight, fight it out to to be mid-table or above. 
Um, she seems to rise to every challenge that she yeah. gets when we had that really bad run of form at the end of last season and the earlier this season. She seems to find a way, doesn't she, to bounce back, to regroup the team and motivate them, which is a, a huge She does. And, and she gets those surprise results as well. I was at Reading the day that you beat Chelsea 1-0 yeah. and it was just that breakaway goal and managed to hang on. And she was in disbelief herself, but... There are those results. I, I can't ever rule out Reading beating one of the big teams. And I think that's part of the appeal of WSL, right? Is that we look at our league in women's football compared to Germany, compared to Spain, compared to Italy. And the competitiveness across the board is there. It's a little bit like the Premier League model, um, which is why everyone loves that so much in men's, because we know that bottom can beat top. On its day, we saw at St Andrews, Birmingham beating Arsenal last season as well. But Reading have played their part in that many times. And I think as long as you know that you've got that capability of being competitive and producing a result like that, um, then then I think there's a lot to be said for keeping her there and trying to see what you could do with extra personnel, with that extra support. Um, but I think as a football club, like you said, they've backed women's football for a long time. They promote the games. They had use of the Medeski Stadium really early on when we still got teams that don't hardly get to touch the men's stadia. So there's so many things that they've been right at the forefront of. Yeah. And it would be a shame to not be able to see that progress even further. Um, but I, I do think that the next few years will be critical. I think if they if Kelly's at the helm and she can guide the club through the next three years, whilst there's been this boom of growth, then um, we'll we'll find out where Reading sit after that. Thank you. So bring you back him up. Yeah. No, I, I just wondered if you had another question there. Yeah, no, no, I do. But I've got plenty to ask. So, um, yeah, Lindsay, just wanted to ask you about. Obviously, we talked about where where Reading sit in the in the WSL and competing with the other sides. But talking about the WSL and women's football in general, um, obviously the the England team have, have had fantastic success and that has made an impact. Where where do you think women's football is in the WSL now compared to a few years ago? I think the professionalisation um, across the board was the defining turning point in women's football. And it sounds silly to even mention it because of course it would be, you know, you go from playing two evenings a week and maybe a match at the weekend to being full time and having a wage to be able to do it. Of course, you're going to see improvements, but I, I, I've measured, measured it on a, a lot of different things. I think skill base, fitness, um, those have both improved massively. Goalkeeping, I think, has been an area that a lot of people from the outside have judged women's football on. And I think that standard has, has rose immensely um, in the last 18 months. I think goalkeepers have started to produce some amazing saves um, and been difficult to beat, which I don't think was always the case when we were semi-pro uh, for the majority of the league. And then, yeah, I, I just think that... Um, looking at how games now can go right till the final minute. I think that fitness factor is really telling. When Leicester City first came into the WSL, you could watch them for 70 minutes and think, oh, they're going to have a good go of it this season. They've they've done well. But the last 20 minutes, they faded. And I think that's where we're at that level now, where we're trying to compete with 
America. I still think NWSL from a fitness point of view, from a lot of the journalists that I talk to and some of the games that I watch, I think their football skill level isn't quite where the WSL is at, but I think their fitness levels are better. So it's trying to take all the good things from the different leagues. Um, there are, there are qualities that they have in the Bundesliga for Bayern and Wolfsburg that we want to learn from and from the likes of Lyon, um, out in France. And we've got to take all of those lessons of how they've been developing their squads and bring them together to make this melting pot so that this league can be the best it can be. But by attracting foreign talent and getting that balance right with keeping homegrown talent as well, that what that will be key to it all. It will be making sure that you can get that balance right. Uh, and Lindsay, just want to ask you a little bit about your your role and, you know, in your progression in your career. And, and then um, tell us a bit about that. And also from my perspective, from a couple of conversations that, that we've had previously, I, I know that generally speaking, it won't come as a surprise, but you you just love your job. You're passionate about football, about women's football. So to many people, you've got a dream job, but there's a lot more goes into it, isn't there? There's a lot of hard work and, you, have to, <laughs> yeah. you know, it's like anything. You have to work at your craft, if you like. So talk a bit about your your journey and 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 what you've had to do to 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 get there and 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 are you benefiting from that um you know the the profile now as it is in in women's football there's sort of two sides to my journey because I I was from a very football loving family, um, pretty obsessed actually, and so I was uh, not having much choice <laughs> in the matter when I was younger, certainly with my granddad and my uncle, um, but I loved it from a very young age but I think if we're going to split it in two because of course my access to the men's game was much easier I went to Wolves and watched Wolves men play when I was eight years old and loved it and lived and breathed with my granddad the Saturday results each week and listening to football commentaries I remember that distinctly as a young girl but women's football was something that I didn't get introduced to until much later now I am in a unique position. I lived next door but one to the Wolves women captain um, for all of my childhood. So her name was Anne Blackham. And so I did know women played football because I knew my next door neighbour, one up, was the Wolves captain. So I knew that it existed, which I think was a step up from most people who probably didn't think women played football at all. Um, But I didn't play it at school until the very end of high school when one of my PE teachers also played for Wolves Women and so decided to do an after-school club where we would play football. So I did that for a couple of years at the very end of school and loved it, but also recognised that I came to it quite late and I was a very sporty child. I went to Loughborough to study. I used to be a long-distance runner but I played county netball and I played um, I played lots of other sports like badminton, table tennis, just like you name it. And I think if I'd have had a go earlier on, things could have been a bit different because I did go on to play football. I played, I had trials at QPR Ladies at Brentford. I played in a London league for a while. I played five a side with some, some men that I used to work with. Um, and so I really enjoyed playing, but it never felt like something that was something you could pursue as a career. And then through my football reporting on the men's side, so I got into that quite early on. Um, I'd always followed the men's game and 
And I knew that I understood it, which and which <laughs> which sounds like a crazy thing to say, but when you're from a working class family and then you're in a local pub and you're talking about football, you very easily found out if you can't talk the lingo. And I just I think in retrospect, when I look back now, I realized that I was just one of them because I was never really made to feel any different. Whereas lots of people have got these stories of feeling alienated or they suffered sexism. And I'm not saying that I've escaped it completely, but certainly when I was younger, I never felt like men didn't want to talk to me about football. It was all I spoke about with my my granddad and my uncle and my best friend at the time who was male. So, um, so yeah, I didn't ever feel excluded from it. And that probably encouraged me to get into football reporting to begin with. So um, to cut that down very short, I was in radio. I went for an audition. I ended up working at Sky Sports, doing some football. I then at Sports Personality of the Year, which I'd volunteered on for seven years, um, met the the then editor of Final Score, who was a gentleman called Lance Hardy, who unfortunately has since passed away. Um but I had a conversation with him at those awards and someone else in my corner was saying, you know, Lindsay knows her football. She could do some final score reporting. And he gave me a go. And I did that for 14 years and now do soccer Saturday envisions and, um, and have been reporting on the game in multiple disciplines for many years. But the women's side, it was actually Lance who also spoke to me about women's football. I think I must've said that I was having trials for QPR or playing and he just his eyes lit up and he just went oh you love women's football too um and he said you need to meet Jackie Oatley and you need to come to these drinks because the Lionesses I think they come back from China they played in China at a major tournament and they were coming back and Hope Powell was the manager and they got some drinks in a bar in London and he said come along and meet everybody so I went along and I met Kelly Smith and Rachel Yankee and Faye White and Hope Powell. And they must have been thinking, who is this young girl, like bright eyed, bushy tailed, like, wow, you know, didn't even know that I would get to meet the England team, having not really managed to watch much of them because it just wasn't on telly. So, of course, I went away and started doing my homework and watching some matches that Jackie had been covering. And I was like, oh, I love this. So um, I got an opportunity then to be able to uh, work on the coverage which the FA at the time invested some money in a WSL show which went out on ESPN to begin with it was a highlight show and then it went out on BT Sport for many years I ended up um, being the main presenter for that and yeah reporting on the women's football show for the BBC for a couple of years after that and then that meant that I've got this podcast which I was also able to talk about men's and women's football and managed with my best friend to go out to Canada, one of my best mates, Kate. And we went out and covered the World Cup over there. And England made the semi-finals. And I don't know whether you remember this, but there was just suddenly this peak of interest. And Mark Sampson was the manager at the time. Um, the team had been playing super well. Uh, they'd beaten Canada on Canada Day in Canada. And I think that just had elevated the level of the lionesses. And suddenly my phone didn't stop. And it hasn't really stopped since about it, to be honest. It's just gone one way, which has been fantastic. I've covered World Cups. I've covered the European Championships. I was the England reporter in France. I was in the England reporter for the Euros when we won, which, oh my gosh, I can't trade that job for any money in the world, can I, to be there and see Leah Williamson lifting the trophy and then speaking to them afterwards was incredible but I don't think it's over I think I think we are in a place 
which feels quite new, but I think we're going to go to a whole other stratosphere with women's football. Johnny, I'll bring you back in now. Yeah, then that was I'm, a really long answer. I'm sorry, it's like no, trying no, to spend like twenty odd no, years in two minutes. But... You touched on the, the Euros there. Now, now the World Cup's coming up this year. What do you what do you think? It's going to be huge, isn't it? It is going to be huge. If you're asking me what I think the Lionesses' chances are, I think they've got a really good chance. Yeah. Um, I would back them to make the final. I, I think they. They've shown everything under Serena, haven't they? You know, even when they've been missing key players, we've seen Fran Kirby get injured at points throughout the season and she's replaced her. And we've seen Leah Williamson moved into midfield and then mixing up that that centre-half partnership. And then we've had even Kira Walsh, who I thought was brilliant in the Euros, but then for one of the recent training camps was missing. And then suddenly she was replaced by, you know, I think we've got options. We really do have options. And so I look at the strength in depth of the squad. I look at the age as well, because you've got a bit of experience there, but you've also got some fearless, brave players, which I think you need in these major tournaments. Um, And I'm excited, but there there is a book coming. I, I know that America, USA are a team in major tournaments. They step up and they haven't been at their best, but I still think when you get to a world cup, you can't rule them out. And I have got thoughts about Germany. I think that final at Wembley, they were missing Alexandra Pop. They were missing their best player. And I thought they were very good. I think yeah. that they there's nothing like a Germany team as well out for a revenge, which <laughs> which could be interesting. Um, what about Republic of Ireland? What do you think of their chances? You know, it's amazing for them to achieve to get to the, the World Cup finals. But what do you think how they will do? Yeah, I think they've they've got to try and aim for incrementals, I think. I think to get there first was fantastic. And now I think if they can get out of the group stages, that would be a huge achievement. Um, They've got lots of quality. You know, some of those players in WSL are absolutely ripping it up. They're some of the best players. So you look at that, and I always think this as well, when I look at the Scotland team, you've got Caroline Weir at Real Madrid, um, Kim Little at Arsenal you see some of the quality of some of the players that they've got it's a shame they won't be there um, but yeah some of the home nations I, I think they've just got to probably a little bit like Reading they've got to set these little targets and, and try and keep surpassing them nothing to lose have they really no exactly and they'll take it as a free hit some of these matches yeah uh, and Lindsay just bringing it back to Reading and the WSL now um, two final questions for you because we we know you've got to uh, to head off and and prepare for your your next uh, presentation and all that sort of stuff. So we really appreciate you being on. But a couple of final questions from me about Reading and the WSL. So where do you think Reading realistically will finish this season? And finally, who's going to win the league? I think that Reading will finish ninth. I don't think Reading are going down. I think the recent results, I think I think actually the month of February was really important for 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 Reading. So I think uh ninth you'll finish and I think the title will go to Chelsea. And who do you I said two more questions but the final one, who do you see coming up, you know, over the next couple of seasons is it Newcastle is it Manchester United, are we going to see Man City win the league? And that is my final question, I promise. 
Okay. Um, well, again, that question, are you talking about a team on the rise that we don't know about at the moment that we might uh, little, start hearing a about? Bit, a little bit of both. So whether it's a, it's a Newcastle or, or Liverpool or, you know, will Man City win the league in the next two or three seasons? Or do you, do you see it still being Arsenal and Chelsea? Okay, well, I'll give you a couple then. So I think Southampton are going to be a team on the rise. So they made it into the championship last season. Um, they've got Marianne Spacey-Kale as their manager. I think Southampton Football Club have been hugely supportive of the project. They're getting crowds as well at that level. Everything is in place to see them rise. They, I don't think that they'll get up this season, but I think they will be in WSL in the next few years. So that would be my one tip for the future. Um, and for the title, I can't move far away from Manchester United. I, I think there's a few things that have happened at that club recently. Um, Mark Skinner's doing a fantastic job. I think the fact that they refused to sell Alessia Russo to Arsenal, even though her contract was running out in the next few months, I think that showed the intent that they want to be contenders, not a selling club. And I think that put that message out to everyone that if they get in Champions League, they're going to take it seriously. So I think they could be a mainstay in that top three, which would which would disrupt what has been a top three for a very long time, which has in some way, shape or form included Chelsea, Arsenal, Man City. And to answer the, the question about Man City, they've surprised me in how well they've managed to replace players that have um, left the club like Kira Walsh, like, like Lucy Bronze, like Ellen White and Jill Scott. I don't think we've really noticed too much that some of that key personnel has gone because some of the acquisitions that have come in, like Hasegawa, who's been fantastic, um, Bonnie Shaw, they, they have gelled and they will win something. I don't know whether it will be the title. I don't know whether they'll carry on winning League Cups and FA Cups for a while. Um, but I think they'll they'll still be up there. I don't think that they're going to drop very far. Okay, um, Johnny, have you got one last question for Lindsay? Oh, geez. Um, I guess where where how far women's football now it's come so far in the last few years. Where do you see it going from here? I mean, the crowds are up. The the quality of the football's going. What's your kind of wish? I wish I had the role. Um, that had the intel on that, Johnny, to be honest, because it's an interesting one. I think the game is surpassing itself to the point where there has to be meetings happening right now, probably, about what we do next. Because once upon a time, you know, a three or 4,000 capacity stadium was going to be enough. That was going to be enough for WSL. And you look at stadiums that have got that sort of capacity, like Chelsea's home ground, Kings Meadow, Manchester City's Academy Stadium is about 4,000, I think, as well. And I honestly think we're getting to the point where they could potentially, on a regular basis, get towards 10,000. That's all the indicators that we're getting. Um, Yet those 10,000-seater stadiums don't exist. They're not available to the women. So there is there is a big crossroads coming where either you split it between the use of the men's stadium more regularly combined with those bespoke stadiums. Yeah. I'm sure Emma Hayes would have, some, have something to say about that in terms of, for her, I know Kings Meadow feels like a fortress. So you want a regular home. And I think if that gets disrupted too much, I think the managers would have something to say about it. But they also realise 
that if you can fill Stamford Bridge, then why not? Yeah. Um, so you've got to use the key fixtures around the schedule to do that. But I think we're going to see an integration of that happening. So when there's big matches, big derbies, title, relegation fights, and we get into that crook stage, you'll probably see more of those games happening at men's stadia. I think. And then the home for the women might continue to be the ones that are in place at the moment, but the clubs that can afford it, I'm sure will be looking at maybe five to 10,000 seater stadiums if they can build them. You know, I don't know if there's any way that Manchester City, for instance, who usually are one of the clubs that lead the way on this sort of thing, could expand that academy stadium to be bigger. And if they did, it would set the benchmark, I suppose, for others to follow. It's exciting, isn't it? Yeah, very exciting. And I think if we were regularly on a week to week basis, getting eight to 10,000 as an average per game, then suddenly the game becomes a lot more sustainable. Yeah. All right. Well, Lindsay, we, we know you've got to go. Sorry, so yeah. Sorry I'm going to have to go and be in quite a bro- OK, bye bye. Thank you very Thank you much. So bye. Bye-bye. bye bye. Bye. Oh, well, great to speak to um, Lindsay, Johnny, wasn't it? Really yeah, no, brilliant. Absolutely brilliant to, to hear about the. The, the development. I remember, I remember watching games back at Adams Park there when Reading were semi-professional, and the, the, the way that the game, the skill level, the, the like you said, the fitness. You know, it's a totally different game now, and it's only on the up. You know, it's yeah. it's exciting to watch, and you know, and to see what Reading have done, and to be at the front running of that over the years has been amazing. But money yeah, talks, I, doesn't it? You what? Sorry. Money talks again, doesn't it? You know, the bigger clubs. It does, yeah, because Liverpool have come up now and, you know, like Lindsay was saying, Man United are um, making a lot of progress, challenging at, at the top end of the WSL now. And um, I, I think, I, you know, I wanted to make that point early on that, that Reading actually have been kind of ahead of the game compared mm. to your Liverpools and, and so on. So that's all credit to the club, um, to to the manager, Um and uh, in in some ways we've you know we've been ahead of the curve really. Uh, uh, Lindsay there mentioned um, ninth that Reading won't get relegated. And talking of which, let's have a little catch up chat about the the men's team now. Um, and of course, the team. We covered it last night, so that that was quite a, a positive conversation tonight with Lindsay. A little bit more so than some of the stuff that we had to to say last night. The only real development that we know about since that episode went out last night is that Wigan have actually been deducted three points. We still don't know what's happening with Reading. And of course, Wigan being bottom of the table doesn't really change things. We're worried really about Huddersfield and, and Black, Blackpool, aren't we? So yeah, doesn't change too much. But um, one thing I would want to say is that episode last night, the idea of that was really to put those questions out there. So some Reading fans have, have got uh, opinions in in favour of Paul Ince staying. Some Reading fans think that that Paul Ince, you know, should should go and, and potentially now. Uh, and I asked your opinion. Um, I had one comment and, and you kind of, you sort of expect this, this these days, which is disappointing. But I had one comment on social media that said, you need to stop shit stirring and go and get a proper job. So I think, <laughs> I think there's, there's a way to an express uh, to express an opinion, yeah. and you are entitled to your opinion. But please do it in the right way. There's no need for that. So um, that's that's not. We're not even talking a minority. That's one person. Yeah. So 
if if that person had bothered to actually look at that clip, my question to you, Johnny, was was what do you think should happen and what do you think will happen? Yeah. Um, so it's a bit disappointing, but you kind of yeah, like people. I think people are very angry, aren't they? Yeah, yeah, I think it's, it's frus- I think it's frustrations yeah. as well. So I certainly would completely disagree that we're shit stirring. We're, <laughs> we're just, we're just um, actually we see ourselves a little bit as, um, you know, asking the questions that the, the fans are asking. And some yeah. fans think, uh, and you think this, Johnny, that Reading might be better off if someone yeah. comes in to replace Paul Ince. And that's one opinion. It's yeah, not, absolutely. It's not the opinion of everyone. No, and I so, think so. If you've if you've got an opinion, please express it. But if you can do it in a bit more of a polite way than, than <laughs> gentlemen, that that would be nice. Um, so, yeah, I think we we got nothing really to add from from last night, apart from to confirm that, um, as well as what happened with with the Wigan three point deduction. We have got Colin Lee, the former Reading assistant manager, on tomorrow night. And Dylan is going to join us as well. So really looking forward to that. And Colin is going to talk about what happened when he and Mark McGee left Reading. So looking forward to that. Sports Social Podcast Network.